quite frankly, the Sunday after Christmas can be a little bit of a letdown, can't it? Now that the gifts have been unwrapped and enjoyed and most of the leftovers have been eaten and the routine starts sinking in again, now what do we have to look forward to? And now that Christmas is over, what are you looking for? With an after Christmas letdown, that might be a hard question to answer, especially this year. Some folks are looking forward to a new year, but after this year, 2020, that takes a whole new meaning, doesn't it? A lot of us are looking forward to the COVID-19 vaccines and hoping for a much, much better year as things might get back to normal, whatever that might be. In our country and our world, hopefully, they begin to recover from all the turmoil of 2020. But as we end a difficult year, we still have all the difficulties and all the struggles of this previous year. Please turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 2, the 25th verse. The 25th verse of the second chapter of Luke. In the second chapter of Luke, we're introduced to two devout, godly, elderly people who were looking for something, who were looking forward to something. So before I read the entire passage, I want to show you what they were looking for. Now look at verse 25 of the second chapter of Luke, 25th verse. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. Now look what he's looking for. Looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit was upon him as he was looking for the consolation of Israel. Now drop down to verse 38 in this second chapter. Verse 38. Speaking of an elderly woman by the name of Anna, Luke records, at the same time that... Uh, that Simeon spoke, verse 38, At that very moment she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Israel. Simeon and Anna. Here are two people who have been looking for something their entire lives. And the passage that we'll look at today shows us that when we are God-centered people, and when we look for the right things, and when we recognize it and find it, we are able to embrace it with complete satisfaction in God. And not only that, we're also able to live in expectancy. The expectancy of waiting and wanting to see what God is going to do next. We just can't wait to see what God will do next. And we can live our entire lives in the unfolding mystery of what it means that Jesus Christ was born into this world and died for our sins. Before I read the biblical text beginning at verse 21 of the second chapter of Luke's, as we come to this in the second chapter here, it's been a little bit more than a week that has passed since the first Christmas. When the angels filled the skies over the fields of Bethlehem and the, the shepherds ran towards the town, jumping over those low rock fences they have there to see their newborn Savior. And young Mary, who had hardly recovered from giving birth, and for a week she had been replaying the events in her mind, pondering these things in her mind, the, the forced journey to Bethlehem, the frantic search for a place to give birth, her labor in the birth of the child, whom she wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. 
And in contrast to the millions of people who now give a nod to the memory of Christ's birth briefly once a year, Joseph and Mary and Simeon and Anna would give their entire lives in the expectancy of the unfolding ministry of the Incarnation. What it means that God came in the flesh. So I'm going to begin reading at verse 21 of Luke chapter 2. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of Moses, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had not been revealed to him and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that the thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who are looking for the redemption of Israel. Shall we pray? Father, as we come to this portion of Scripture this morning, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit work in our hearts and in our minds. What a tremendous portion of Scripture this is, Lord. As we see and consider the lives of Simeon and Anna, these two elderly people who had served you and loved you their lives, Lord, their entire lives, and then we're looking forward to the redemption of Israel, to their own salvation, Father. Lord, I pray that as we study this, you will give us the same kind of anticipation and excitement of what it means that Jesus came into this world to live among us and die for our sins. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. These beautiful events that are recorded here in Luke chapter 2 were given to Joseph and Mary again at a time when they needed to hear and, uh, and have confirmed the significance of what it meant that Jesus had been born into this world. And rather than a Christmas letdown, 
Mary and Joseph would continue to experience the dazzling wonder of what it means that Christ came into this world. And as we too come to understand these events, we too can live in that dazzling wonder of what it means. The events begin with the circumcision of Jesus. In Luke 2, as I read that again. Luke chapter 2, verse, verse 21. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, circumcision was the mark of the covenant, the covenant that Israel had with God. So every male baby was circumcised on the eighth day, according to the custom, after his birth, so that he would be identified with God's people. And it was also customary at that same time to name the baby. We saw that with the naming of John, John the Baptist, who was born to Zacharias and, and Elizabeth. Uh, the relatives insisted that he be named Zacharias after his father, but the angel said his name was to be John, which means God is gracious. Now, in the case of Jesus, the angel had told Joseph and Mary separately at two different times that his name shall be called Jesus. And when Jesus was to be circumcised and Mary and Joseph were asked, what's the child's name to be? I think Mary and Joseph would have looked at each other without hesitation and with joy. They said together, Jesus. His name is Jesus. The name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. In the Hebrew, it's Yeshua. In the English, it's Joshua. Yeshua, Joshua. Joshua was the name of the great man, you remember, who succeeded Moses and led the people into the promised land. But Joshua wasn't his original name. His name was Hosea, which means salvation. And Moses changed Hosea's name to Joshua, which means Joshua is our salvation. And he became Israel's greatest general. The name Joshua carries the idea of being delivered, of being saved from something. You'll remember when Joseph was struggling with the idea that his betrothed was pregnant. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, said to, to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who's been conceived in her is of, is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus carries the idea of deliverance, of salvation. The child shall be called Jehovah is salvation. The baby is salvation. And then next in the text, we see Mary's purification in obedience to the law. Verse 22. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Now the purification of the woman was forty days after she gave birth, and the rite of purification meant going to the temple and offering a burnt sacrifice and a sin offering. Now, the law stated the purification offering must be a yearly lamb, a yearling lamb for a burnt offering 
and a pigeon or a dove for a sin offering. But Leviticus chapter 12 allows for a lesser offering if the mother cannot afford a lamb. And it says in Leviticus 12:8, but if she cannot afford a lamb, then she will take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her and she will be clean. Now there's a couple of things we need to see that are going on here. One is that Mary and Joseph were poor. They could not afford the yearling lamb. Mary and Joseph's humble offering was a public declaration of their poverty. But verse 22 also refers to their sacrifice, not just Mary's sacrifice, which have been typical, but their sacrifice. Both Mary and Joseph offered the appropriate sacrifice. This would seem odd at first glance in that a purification offering would normally be Mary's alone. However, seeing that Joseph undoubtedly helped in Mary's deliverance at Bethlehem, so according to the law of Moses, he also needed to render an un he was also rendered unclean and needed to make a sacrifice for himself. Now Mary and Joseph all ca also came to the temple for the presentation ceremony. And this is where it gets good in the text. According to the law of the Lord in, in Exodus 13:2, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Holy means set apart, set apart unto the Lord. And this goes all the way back to the Exodus during the final plague, which God brought upon Egypt. All the firstborn of Egypt were slain, both man and beast, while the firstborn of the Israelites who applied the blood of the Passover lamb to the lintels and doorposts of their house were, were saved, were their firstborn did not die. And so now the redemption, according to the law, of the firstborn was required because the firstborn were spared by God. They belonged to him. They belonged to God. And when an Israelite family redeemed their firstborn, they were acknowledging that this child belonged to God. So when it came time for the presentation offering, the Holy Spirit surprised Mary and Joseph with the participation of two elderly people, two people who exemplified godliness and faith. As we have read, their names were Simeon and Anna. And verse 25 introduced Simeon. It says, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And then we meet Anna in verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple. Imagine that. She never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayers. Both Simeon and Anna were advanced in years. In fact, the Greek grammatical structure of verse 36 indicates and reads in such a way that Anna had lived 84 years after her, pass, or after her husband passed away. She lived 84 years after her husband passed away. She was probably 103 to 105 years old. Can you imagine? Both Anna and Simeon would have stooped in that profile of their age condition. They would have had those age-spotted hands, that translucent skin that covers their, their bulging veins. You know what that looks like. But here were 
two people whose souls, whose spirits were young and continuing to grow. They lived in anticipation of what God was going to do. Both of them were devoted to God. Simeon is called here righteous and devout. He was righteous and the other, he treated other people right and he was in right standing before God because of his faith. In that he was devout, he was also careful about his religious duties in his, in his service to God. And then there's Anna, who never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayers. Whenever the doors of the temple were open, she was there. She was a woman of rare piety. And both Anna and Simeon were, were prophets, as they prophesied here, who were filled with expectation. They were saints who were in touch with God's heart, who awaited expect, expectantly the completion of God's promises. You know, that's a great way to live. That's how we should live. As believers in Jesus Christ, we should live in touch with God's heart expectantly awaiting the completion of his promises. And Simeon is described as a man waiting for the consolation of Israel. That word translated consolation is often translated comfort in the Bible. It's that familiar word paraclesis. Uh, we call the Holy Spirit the paraclete. It means to come alongside and to give aid, to comfort, to give help to somebody. The word used here for consolation is used in the Greek Old Testament in verses referring to the Messiah. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, God says, Comfort, comfort my people. And then Isaiah 66, 13, the Lord says, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. That's what they were looking for. The messianic expectation of the coming comfort, the consolation of Israel, this had impacted and consumed the life of Simeon. And Anna joined Simeon after his prophetic song, and she spoke about the child to all those who were looking for the redemption, for the salvation of Israel. They truly believed in Christ's coming when he would come and redeem Israel. And they never gave up going to the temple day after day after day. They never gave up and kept trusting and looking. Again, they're a wonderful example for us today. They represented all who saw that their only hope, their only comfort, their only redemption, their only deliverance was in the mercy and grace of God. And along with a poor carpenter and his wife and the outcast shepherds, they were flesh and blood examples to those of those who, to whom Christ comes. They, they personified the paradox of being profoundly empty and at the same time being profoundly full. As Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall, or they shall be filled. Simeon and Anna came to God's house hungry, and they received as few others have in the history of the world. And then there's another facet of Simeon's beautiful soul. Verse 26, we see a promise that God had made to him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen 
the Lord's Christ. Before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. In the Greek, the word is Christos. It means anointed one. We get Christ from it. In the Hebrew, the word is Mashiach, which means the same thing, anointed one. So Christ and Messiah mean the same thing. Uh, you'll hear today, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ in, in the Hebrew. Simeon had received an oracle from God. God had made it clear to him through the Holy Spirit, even though he was aged, he would not leave this life without seeing the Lord's Messiah. We don't know how long he had been waiting. Days, months, years. But he came to the temple every day looking, reflecting, and he sometimes asked himself, maybe that's him over there, or, or maybe that one is him, or, or maybe today is the day that I will see God's Messiah. And I believe he must have had a disappointment every evening as he left the temple thinking, it wasn't today, but maybe tomorrow. And then one day the Spirit-filled Simeon came into the temple. He was in the Spirit. says he was in the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit was leading him. Simeon was moved by the Holy Spirit into the temple courts. And he came up to Mary and Joseph when they brought in Jesus to present him to the Lord in the temple. And Simeon took the baby in his arms and he blessed God. And with trembling arms, Simeon lifted the baby from the startled mother and began to praise God in song. Verse 29. He says, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation with which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. With the baby in his arms, Simeon experienced a profound peace in his soul. He held the Prince of Peace, whom Isaiah the prophet had prophesied, and whom the angels sang, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth among men with whom he is well pleased. God's favor, grace, rested with Simeon. Peace rested with Simeon. He was ready to die. He was ready to go home to be with his God forever. His eyes had seen the salvation of the Lord. His eyes had seen and held the one who would make possible peace with God forever. Now, he did not say that he'd seen part of God's salvation. No, we see here that Christ is totally sufficient. He's all we need. True peace comes only when we, like Simeon, understand and believe that salvation in Jesus Christ is all of Jesus Christ, plus nothing. And we rest our souls completely in him. And the salvation of which Simeon sang, we see here, is universal and offer. It's for everyone who would trust in Christ. Verse 31 again, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. That includes all peoples. Anybody who was not Jewish, anybody who was not of Israel was considered to be a Gentile. So Gentiles and Jews, those are, 
or all peoples. It's not just salvation for the Jews. Jesus is a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Now think of it this way. Most of you, if not all of you, including me, who hear this message and are reading this text this morning, are probably Gentiles. We're Gentiles. You are probably not Jewish. Your ancestors were not part of God's old covenant people. Yeah, when Simeon took the baby in his arms, it wasn't just Jews who were in Simeon's mind. It wasn't just God's old covenant people, Israel. Simeon sang about you, Gentiles, his new covenant people. He sang about you. We were sung about in the Jewish temple by a prophet of God who held the Messiah in his arms. Jesus is our light in a dark world. He is our salvation. He is your salvation. As Simeon held the baby and looked at Jesus, his heart was overflowing with joy at the coming of the Redeemer and the fulfillment of God's personal promise to him. And Mary and Joseph were amazed and what was being said about Jesus. But then Simeon's song takes a marked turn in tone. Simeon is given a revelation from God in verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for you for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. In Simeon's prophecy, God reveals that Jesus Christ is the great divider of humanity through history. Not everyone was in Israel was welcoming to the newborn king. Not everyone is welcoming to Jesus today. When we look at Jesus' ministry all through his life, People were divided over him, as they are today. Some would rejoice in the light, and others would hide in the darkness because their deeds were evil. Some would be given sight to see him as Lord, while others would remain in blindness, even though they claimed they could see. There would be his sheep who found nourishment in his words, and those whom he called goats who never truly loved him, in spite of appearances. There would be wheat, as well as tares. Please turn to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. In the 10th chapter of Matthew, Jesus described the division that he brings. The division that he brings. In verse 34, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Jesus said, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth, for I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. 
so, so how does this square with the angel's greeting of peace on earth among men with whom he is pleased? How does this square with all of that? The peace that is promised is to those who are belong to God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a promise of peace with God, with himself, among those who, like Simeon, are filled with the Spirit. It's not a promise of peace for those who reject Jesus Christ. When Jesus draws you to himself, it sets you at odds with those who reject him. To most of the Jews, Jesus was a stumbling block. He was a rock of offense. If what he said and what he did did not line up with their man-made traditions, their religious practices, and so they stumbled over Christ and fell. They had no love for Christ or his people. So among such people, Christ is a dividing force. This is why Simeon said to Mary, to Mary, Behold, the child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many of Israel and for a sign to be opposed. When people reject or ignore Christ, when they disobey him and speak against him, they fall. Jesus Christ is opposed by all those who refuse to find delight in him above all things. Simeon delighted in the arrival of the Savior. And God revealed Jesus to Simeon through his spirit. And Luke mentions the Holy Spirit ten times in these first two chapters of his gospel. This is showing us that only the Spirit of God can reveal the Son of God. The Spirit of God op opens our eyes to the Son, that we might delight in Him. But throughout the ministry of Jesus, the vast majority of people who saw Him and heard Him had no delight in Him. They turned and walked with Him no more. They were spiritual people. They were religious people. But they were lost people. They opposed Him because they refused to find delight in Him above all things. And the same is true today. Jesus invites all who have ears to hear and eyes to see to come, to come to him, to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. When we delight in him above all things, even though in this life we're surrounded with opposition and division, we have delight in him. Jesus in his ministry reveals where the thoughts of one's heart truly are. As the salvation of God and the expression of God's will, the reaction to him reveals one's reaction to God. And this opposition Jesus produces will be a source of pain to Mary, whom Simeon addresses with this parenthetical remark in verse 35 of Luke chapter 2. Get the right book here. Verse 35, he says to Mary, And a sword will pierce even your own soul, to the end that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. The mother's pain will emerge from the increased rejection that the child will experience during his entire ministry, and will be fully manifested when she sees him hanging on the cross, despised, and rejected 
of man. And just as Simeon finishing his song, Anna came up to Simeon with a babe in his arms. And it says in verse 38, At that very moment, Anna came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Israel. The aged Anna, who served in the temple day and night with prayers and fastings, was now an evangelist who would speak of Jesus to all those who were looking for the redemption of Israel. And both Simeon and Anna show us that the most productive years that we can have in spiritual service to God come after our most productive years of earthly toil. After we've retired from earthly toil, then we have that time and that service before God. Anna had given herself full time to the ministry of intercession. Like Simeon, she hoped for the redemption of Israel and tells others that the baby Jesus is a reason for praising and thanks, thanking God. Her exact words are not recorded here as they are with Simeon's, but her, her testimony that she gives makes everyone aware that God is doing something special in this child. Those who are faithful to God will hear her report and they will share in her praise. Anna had been praying and fasting for all these years for the Messiah to come and bring the promised redemption. And then from this time on, this little woman who little woman who spent all her years talking to God started talking to everybody else. God had answered her prayer. The Messiah had come and talked about excitement about what is going to happen next. There's no Christmas let down here. Anna continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Israel. Everybody anticipating salvation. Everybody anticipating the promise of the prophets would be fulfilled. She had seen the Messiah. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this anticipation, this excitement that this text brings to our lives from the lives of Simeon and Anna, Father. I pray, Father, that now that we are finished with the, the Christmas season once again, as we go into a new year, not knowing what that's going to look like, knowing that all the struggles and difficulties and, and things that we have experienced this year are going to continue, at least for a time, into this new year, Father. Father, I pray that because of Jesus Christ and through your Holy Spirit, we might live in the anticipation, we might live in the faith of what, God, you are going to do in our lives, how you are going to use us to touch other people's lives with the grace and through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would grant to each one of us, even right now, Father, a special experience of your presence, an experience of the living God, an experience of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see Jesus. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.